Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have given us promises to stand on, standing firm on the promises given to us in Christ Jesus. This morning, as we come to your word, let us be filled by your word, your truth, and your promises. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a site called the Babylon Bee. It's a site that does satire on the church and what's going on in the world. It's a Christian site and does Christian satire about the church and the culture. I came across this uh, particular one last week, and I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. It says, New Gospel Fragment Reveals Part Where Jesus Affirmed Everybody's Sin. That's the title of it. Remember, this is satire. So I'm going to read just a little bit of it. It says, A newly unearthed portion of the Gospel of Mark, discovered in ancient pottery pieces dating from the first century, reveals at long last the part of the Gospel narrative in which Jesus affirmed everybody's pet sin, reports confirmed on Tuesday. The text further records Jesus listing off various sins named in Scripture and confirming that they are no longer considered sins as long as the wider culture affirms and celebrates them. You have, heard it, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that love is love, and whoever commits adultery is really just living their own truth and not settling for less. Don't be haters. Satire, right? But very telling satire about what the culture says and now what much of the church has taken on at all. But let's go back to our gospel reading and see what Jesus actually said. He said, you have, heard you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus says adultery is no, is not, sorry, I'm going to get this. Not only is adultery wrong, but even lustful thinking is wrong as well. That's adultery as well. Rather than affirming somebody's pet sin, he says just the opposite, doesn't he? He said it's, that is to be full fidelity to your spouse. And it is better that you cut off a limb or pluck out an eye rather than go to hell. These are serious words, isn't it? I mean, think about it for a moment. He says, it is better that you do that than have continual, unrepentant adultery, which will put you into hell. These are very serious words. What Jesus is saying is this. He says, we are to live according to God's holy and unblemished nature. And God's nature is one of complete love, complete holiness, and full fidelity. That's what marriage is supposed to be. 
Complete love, complete holiness, complete fidelity. And that's why marriage is used as the metaphor between God and his people. If you take a look in the Old Testament, you see marriage as the metaphor between God and Israel. And in the New Testament, the church is the bride of Christ. Not only are we to not have adultery physically in our marriage, we are not to have adultery spiritually in our walk with Christ Jesus. Just as last week, Pergamum was accused of flirting, or we talked about flirting, right? Smyrna, actually. Pergamum. Pergamum. Pergamum was accused of flirting. Now we get into something more serious. Thyatira is accused of adultery, both physical and spiritual. So, with that as our context, let's go to our text from the day. We find again the image of Christ Jesus. And to the angel in the church of Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Now it's fascinating as you go through and see and read all of these letters, the image that Jesus is giving to each one of the churches is unique and it is very appropriate for each one of the churches. Here he says the words of the Son of God. He is proclaiming his deity here. And this is refuting all of the other pagan gods that other people might be worshiping. Caesar was one of the gods, or a son of the gods. Apollo was one of the sons of gods. And gods, again, in lowercase. And notice that it's plural. But here Jesus says he is the son of God. And that he has eyes like flames of fire, speaks about his ability to know everything. It is the idea that nothing can be hidden from his sight. Nothing. If we were to have John's revelation in today's day and age, we would probably see laser beams coming out of Christ's eye. Laser beams that could penetrate everything and see everything in all creation. Nothing is hidden from his sight. And that he has feet like burnished bronze. A better sense is fine brass or bronze or burning So they're still hot. And these speak to his power, his omnipotence, that he could crush anything in his, that opposes him. Feet that can oppose him, that he can crush anything that opposes him. It speaks to his omnipotence. Now this is the image that he gives to the church in Thyatira. So let's talk a little bit about Thyatira and see why this is appropriate. So, first of all, Thyatira, it's a, it's a smaller town, and back then it was a very minor town in Asia, which we now know as Turkey. It's about 20 miles southeast of Pergamum and halfway between Pergamum and Sardis. It served as a military outpost for Pergamum, but there wasn't anything that really was special about the town itself, other than it had a lot of trade guilds. So trade guilds, think of modern-day unions, so to speak. And it had a lot of those, one of which dealt with 
coppersmith. So coppersmiths would obviously see a lot of fire and burnished bronze and other things. These are examples of some coins that were from Thyatira. It was also known for fabric weaving and dye. One of the most famous Christians from Thyatira is Lydia. We find Lydia in Acts chapter 16. She was a seller of purple cloth. So, this is Thyatira, but it had a lot of guilds, unions. Were any of you in unions? Yeah? You had to kind of toe the union line. Especially when unions were really strong, you had to toe the union line, and you would have to do a lot of things associated with activities that unions would do. And so you had to go to these, especially if you were a business person in Thyatira and part of the union, you had to go and do what the guilds did, which included going to a pagan temple, eating food sacrificed to temples, uh, to the idols there, and also doing things that might be sexually immoral. Back in a certain era in America, if you were part of a business and the guys went out, some of the guys went to strip clubs, right? And to get along, some people would go to the strip club. So you get that seedy sort of nature. And some of the Christians said, well, look, I'm in business here, and I'm in one of the unions, one of the trade guilds, and I need the business, so I got to go along with all of this. And they probably justified it by saying, well, it's just part of doing business. This is kind of what was going on in the town, the church of Thyatira. So now let's go to what Jesus sees. And he does see some good. He says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Jesus does actually have some good things to say about this church. And again, when he says, I know your works, remember, know the think of his eyes seeing everything about the church. So he says, I know your works. I know everything about you. And when you read that on screen, you should probably put a colon after works. I know your works, colon. So here's what comes after it. There are two things. He says, your love and faith. These two are kind of grouped together. Now, love is a motivator And faith is a motivator. Love motivates you to be of service for others. So that's kind of how you want to read the text here, is that love is a motivator for other things, for service of other people. Our Make a Difference Day, right? Because of the love of Christ, we are out in the community doing things. Because of the love of Christ, we go to Desert Manna. Because of the love of Christ, we help our neighbor. You understand this connection, right? It's fairly self-evident. The greater for your love of Christ Jesus, the greater your desire to serve others. If a church has no ministry of service, none, I would wonder Is there love present in that church? I would say if there's no service in the church, there's no love of Christ in that church. So the other motivator here is faith. 
And faith actually is a motivator for patient endurance, patient endurance to be able to go through all the trials and tribulations in life. Trials and tribulations, patient endurance is actually a key theme throughout all of these letters. I haven't really hit upon that theme very hard, but it is one of the themes throughout the letters. And that it is not just being steadfast, but it is faith in Christ that allows you to go through all the trials and tribulations in life. So he sees their love and faith, which gives them service and patient endurance. But he also says this. He says, your latter works exceed the first. So the love, the faith, and all of the things that come from that seem to be growing in this church. In essence, there's a lot of religious activity that is going on in this church. And that can be a good thing because a lot of people get food, they get clothing, they can get shelter, and many other things because of churches. And churches do that because of love and faith. But, but, the full judge of church, the full judge of a church comes not just from outward religious activity. You must take a look at what's going on within the church, the practices and beliefs. See, a lot of people go to a church and they think, wow, this is great, everybody's doing all this sort of stuff, but they don't understand what the practices and beliefs are. Listen, Thyatira is one of the smallest city's churches, and it gets the longest letter out of all the seven churches. Whereas Ephesus had uh, good doctrine but lacked love, here we find love, but, well, let's just say it's not only bad, it's ugly. And I mentioned that when we began our series. There's not only the good, the bad, there's also the ugly. So we're going to get to see what Jesus says, and it is bad and ugly. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat foods sacrificed to idols. So let's talk a little bit for a moment about Jezebel. Jezebel was a princess of the country of Sidon. She married King Ahab, who was king of the northern ten tribes of Israel, And she influenced the king, and thus the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, to worship Baal and Asherah. Baal was the most prominent of the Canaanite deities. He was a god of fertility, and thus he influenced agriculture, uh, animal husbandry, and human sexuality. Asherah was a goddess in the Canaanite religion, and she was very closely associated with Baal. And a lot of what was involved with her was sensuality and ritual prostitution. The priest and priestesses of Asherah also uh, practice prophecy and fortune-telling. So when you read our reading from 1 Kings... And I would encourage you to go back over that again, especially verse 33. And Ahab, that's the king, and Ahab made an Asherah 
Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. Now, when you read about all the kings that were before him, they did bad stuff. And now the Lord says he is angrier at Ahab than all of the other kings before him. His anger was burning at him. This is the influence of Jezebel. So, when you say, you ever heard the insult to you, Jezebel? You ever hear that? This is what the insult entails. When you say, you Jezebel, you speak of a woman who strives to undermine the authority of others, and we use anything, even murder, to get what she wants of power, prestige, and fortune. She is unscrupulous, lied, cheated to advance her desires. She turned people to sexual immorality, which would include physical adultery, and she turned people to worship false gods, which is spiritual adultery. When you say you Jezebel, it carries the full weight of that. So when Jesus says this Jezebel is in your midst, it is a full rebuke, as harsh as it could be. I would love to say that this does not happen in the church body wide today, but it does. It does. Unfortunately, there are many, many examples that I could give which would talk about what's going on in the church. I'm going to mention one person, Nadia Bowles Weber. Uh, again, she's just one out of, out of many. Uh, I've known about her for probably seven, eight years. She's been a longtime darling of the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. She is a so fouled mouth, I cannot quote her here. Uh, I just can't. She calls herself a pastrix and also refers to herself in a derogatory name that's usually reserved for lesbians, although she is married to a man. She claims to be an Orthodox Lutheran pastor. This is what her claim is. But she is a universalist, which means everybody goes to heaven, that there is no hell. She views the Wiccan goddess, so Wiccan uh, pagan witches, the Wiccan goddess as an aspect of God. Uh, She views some of Scripture as just a writer's opinion and calls some of Paul's writings just wretched, and she doesn't believe in the substitutionary atonement of Christ Jesus. In essence, Jesus didn't die for our sins. I mean, there's so much more I could tell you, but it's just, it's inundating. I will tell you that in 2018, she asked people to send in their purity rings. So these are rings that young people would wear to say that they would be chaste before marriage, that they would not have sexual relations before marriage. She said, send me all of your rings, and I am going to make a statue, and I won't even tell you what the statue was, but it, it certainly fit what Ashereth would have been. It was ugly and vulgar. And you want to know one of the worst parts? She's been a key featured speaker at the ELCA Youth Convention where 30,000 youth at a time will listen to her teaching. 
She has been rebuked by other people, but refuses. She's not rebuked by her denominations, which speaks so much against her denomination. Now, let's listen to what Jesus has to say about people like this. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all of the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works." Now, as we've gone through these letters, normally I have a section in your uh, sermon notes that just says repent. Here, I, it's repent or die. Because Jesus could not be more blunt. Right? Repent or die. It seems that this woman in the church of Thyatira was given time to repent, but she did not repent. There were probably Christians who said, you've got to stop this. This is not right. But She refused, as many do. And refusing to repent speaks to a callous, hardened, and depraved heart that truly rejects Jesus. Now, these people are going to rationalize it away, by the way. They'll say, oh, you just don't know what love is. Or they'll say, besides, it's my body. You have nothing to say about my body. I can do whatever I want. Don't be such a Pharisee. Don't be such a hater. Again, going to the Babylon Bee satire that I read earlier. And here's the answer. It's not your body. It's not your body. Don't you know that you were bought with a price? Don't you know that you were given freedom? through the blood of Christ Jesus? Don't you know that you are called out of darkness into light and that your body is to be a temple for the Holy Spirit, that you are to live a life that is pure and chaste and unblemished, and that we as a church are to to do the same thing, Jesus says of these people, he's going to put them into a sickbed, and this sickbed would be more like a deathbed. And that these people who follow these teachers are going to go through great tribulation, and the children, so those people who follow her her or these other teachers spiritually, he's going to kill. He's going to put to death. Our Savior could not be more blunt than this. It is no small thing for people to preach and teach and live like Jezebel. It is an adultery that leads to damnation, to death, to hell. And people like this, if they do not repent, must be thrown out of the church. They must be thrown out of the body of Christ. Now, you might think that to be harsh. Hardly. Look, if you came home and found your spouse in bed, your wife with another man, 
or your husband with another woman, would you not throw them out of the bed? You'd probably throw them both out of the house. And you might even burn the bed, lest you want to even sleep in what had been so soiled and sullied. So that we would expel people like this from the body of Christ is very appropriate. Listen, our Lord Jesus Christ cares for his bride, the church. I want you to listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 25. It's talking about marriage, marriage between a husband and wife. But listen to what it says, how Christ loves the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water and the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. If Jesus Christ loves the church and he has cleansed us, washed us with the water and word, sanctified us so that we'd be holy and without blemish. Should we not believe? Should we not preach? Should we not teach? Should we not live and practice the things of Christ Jesus in that purity, in that holiness, without blemish, with full fidelity? Because Jesus says, hold fast. Hold fast and you will receive the promise. The promise, but to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast to what you have until I come. He says, for those of you who are faithful to me, you don't have to worry, but hold fast. See, the promise is given to those who hold fast to Christ Jesus and to his teaching. What does it mean to hold fast? Well, it says one thing, you don't get in bed with all these all false teachers. That you remain faithful to the teaching of his word, which is scripture, and are not tempted by other things of the deep things of nature, uh, of Satan. What are these deep things of Satan? Well, it's, it's trying to find a secret way to God apart from Scripture. And could be something as simple as horoscopes. When I became a Christian, really a Christian, I gave up horoscopes. Because what are they of God? I'm going to let the planets tell me how my day is supposed to be or how my year is supposed to be? I gave up horoscopes. I don't even want to see them. I don't want to even read them. Now, it goes deeper than that. Ouija boards, right? Those become popular. Look, if you want to get into spiritual trouble, use a Ouija board because now you're communicating with, and they aren't friendly spirits. These are demons. If you really want to find out what the deep things of Satan are, I understand there's a UFO convention here uh, coming up. Go there and you will see everything of the deep things of Satan. Avoid them. Avoid them. And what does it mean to hold fast? We hold fast that we are saved by Christ alone. Our first song, right? In Christ alone. To be fast in Christ, we are told again and again and again and again. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. Now, none of us, you and me, none of us can do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So we continually pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in and through us so that we can stand fast. The other part of this promise is this, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end to him, I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The ruling with Christ is now a reference in your scriptures, a reference to Psalm two. And I believe also in revelation 20, that those who are in Christ Jesus will rule with him not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Remember, in July, we did a glimpse of heaven. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Nothing can stand in his way. He is also the lamb who was slain. And every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord and Savior. So we rule with him because of who he is and that we have clung to Christ. Luther talks about our faith as one that clings to him. And then he says this wonderful thing that we will receive the morning star. Who's the morning star? Jesus is. And the greatest gift is that we receive Christ Jesus, the morning star who is the light of the world. This is the promise. So what about you today? Will you continue to be motivated by the love of Jesus and to serve others? To grow in faith and increase your endurance? Will you remain faithful to scriptural teachings and avoid the adultery of false teachers? You know, here's another part. Within this, for those who are growing in their faith and are steadfast in the faith and growing bolder in the faith, you can actually start to tell others about false teachers in a way that they can start to understand. That was part of my ministry this weekend when I went back to Minnesota. Will you also then hold fast to salvation in Christ alone? He who has an ear to hear let him hear what Christ says. And all the people said, Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.